0: That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash judging Megan to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince dot com slash judging Megan. And now back to the podcast. Everyone, you are listening to Judging Megan with your host, Megan Judge. Um, I need to talk about something that is not okay with me. And for my female listeners or men, whoever it be, um, when you go to the grocery store and you know, you think you look really good. Yeah, we're wearing masks in California still, but you know, you're like, Oh, I'm having a good day. I feel really good about myself. And then you're going to check out, and the person at the and the lane goes, um, "Ma'am, did you find everything else that you were looking for today?" And I'm like, "What? Who's ma'am? I'm not a ma'am. Why are you calling me a ma'am? I am still in my head, 29 years of age. You ruined my whole day, and it's really upsetting. Like how quickly it goes, where you just like two weeks ago were called Miss." And then all of a sudden, you're like shopping and you're called ma'am. My guest, Fred, is on right now, but Fred, you're not called a ma'am. But, and I don't even know if you can relate to this, but to women, this is like a very, very upsetting moment in your life where you all of a sudden, and by the way, I still occasionally get miss and I've gotten carted, but I realize I only get carted at Target. And that's because they cart everybody. So, Fred, do you feel sorry for me? What are your thoughts on this?
2: No, I, I think you have a tremendous opportunity here. Okay. You can you can take the masks that you have to wear
0: uh-huh. and you could print on them. Don't you dare call me ma'am. That's a good idea. I think I might do that because it really does. I mean, it really is. And it's and I'm trying to be funny here, but you know, for, for women, especially like, it's like this aging is not fun. It's not fun. I don't Mm -hmm. think for anyone, what is good about aging is the person that you, you become and evolve and you're, you know, you, you become this person, which I would have killed at like in my twenties to have the brain and the knowledge that I do in my Mm -hmm. forties. Right. But what's hard about it is like, we age, and everything on the inside, like of our brains, usually gets better, right? But it's like the outside that starts to change and drop and things aren't as good as they used to be or look as good as they used to look. And it's it's a struggle in society living in Los Angeles, don't even get me started. So mm-hmm. anyway, I just I, I am I think I'm gonna take you up on that, Fred, and get a mask made. I think it's a great idea. And I'm gonna start the show. And today I'm going to talk to you about I, when I have a sponsor on my podcast or an advertiser, it's really important to me that it's a product that I personally like or use or I I actually this product, I reached out to the uh, company myself and said, I'm I'm a believer in your product um, and I would love to advertise it on my podcast. The product is called Dose. They are liver support like little supplement shots. And I love them. And I'm a subscriber and I try to take one daily. If not daily, I take one every other day. It kind of makes me feel better. Like I'm doing good things for my body. They're little turmeric shots. If you're interested in finding out more about them, you can go to dose and find out D O S E. And you can look into what the shot actually is and why it's good for your liver. But you can also use my code judging Megan 15 and get 15% off of your first order. I really can tell you I have been using this product now for I would say like four or five months and I do feel great. It kind of makes me feel better if I've been having like a little bit of buttery Chardonnay, which is my favorite the night before that I can kind of get like get my liver in check. So let's say that. So if you are interested, go to the website. You can also go to judgingmegan.com and I'm going to start the show. So hello, everyone. I am lucky enough to have an amazing guest that I can already tell you I could talk to him for a long time. I don't even know what we're about to get into, but I can tell you it's going to be interesting. <laughs> He's also funny, and we were kind of t- t- talking before we started recording, and I am very, very intrigued by this guest. My guest's name is Fred Rutman, and Fred has told me that he has escaped the or kicked the Grim Reaper's ass multiple times in his life. So when I hear something like that, um, I I immediately need to have that person on my show. Hi, Fred. How are you? Hi, Megan. I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Of course. So let's talk about. Um, I want to talk about your life, but I also love that you said when you when you do a speech or you talk to people, you you go by the name repeatedly dead Fred. Correct. That's correct. That's a, okay. a name given to me by my friend Diana. By Diana. Well, it's it's because yeah. your name's Fred. Dead rhyme. Yeah. Love it. So let's talk about. Let, let me to ask you about your life. Like starting, I always start out early. Um, we kind of talked in the beginning about some trauma that kind of happened to you in the beginning of your life, and kind of therefore some of the things that are probably uh, happened to you later in life are connected to this. So tell me about you. Where are you from? Where were you born? Spill it. Let's hear it. I was originally born in Winnipeg, Manitoba,
2: which is both simultaneously the coldest place and the flattest place in the universe.
0: Absolutely. No hills. Anyway, it gets brutally cold in Winnipeg. Um, I already know I like you, too, because I love Canadians. Oh, thank you. I've had a couple (laughs) on, and I always like people from Canada. But go on. Um. I didn't find this out till I was in my mid-30s,
2: um, but apparently I had a stroke just before or just after I was born, and, you know, I'm of that age where back then they didn't do a lot of investigation into if you had learning disabilities or anything like that, so I was just the, the kid that was loud and obnoxious and fat, and, you know, uh, if I'd only applied myself, I'd be, you know, really successful. Uh, What I found out when I was in my mid-30s is I had this stroke, and my right hemisphere was operating at maybe 40 or 50% of what it should be. So I manifested a lot of the things, the conditions that people have with strokes. So the left side of my body uh, doesn't work anywhere close to the right side of my body. Uh, It's called hemiparesis. So hemi half, so people either get it um, horizontally, so your upper half and your lower half don't work, or you get it side split like I did.
0: So, let uh me ask you a question: Do they know what caused the stroke at that young age? No idea. No idea. And your and your mom and dad must have been terrified. To like that's such a scary thing. Did they know that it was happening? No. Had no idea. No. Nobody knew. Okay, okay, so that's so, why you found out later in life, obviously.
2: Yeah, i i, I knew something was wrong, but mm-hmm. you when you're you don't know what to search for. You don't know what to search for, and it just happened that my sister was became friendly with a woman who was doing a, her PhD in psychology, and this woman's husband ran a, a clinic for people with learning disabilities and I went and got tested and uh, he gave me the diagnosis and I worked with him. I call them the brain trainers for a couple of years, grueling, grueling work, trying to get different parts of your brain activated. And it helped a lot. It was certainly, you know, nothing that was going to cure me completely because we're talking 1980s knowledge base at that point. Yeah. Um, but for what they had, they did pretty good. And I went from not being able to go to university to doing, uh, an MBA with a double major in marketing and finance.
0: Wow. What was your diagnosis of your learning disability? Just so you know, I also have a learning disability. I'm ADD.
2: Oh, um, well I'm all over the map because just half my brain wasn't working. So, um, I had good language skills, but uh-huh. I can't visualize things, so I have um, – I can't remember the words for these right now. That's also one of my problems. Um, yeah. But I have a severe face blindness, so even people I know really well, I can see them just slightly out of context, and I'll have no idea who they are. Um, I – not visualizing makes it really hard to learn. Yeah. So, um, you know, I would go out and play golf with my buddies and we'd finish and you're having a beer and they start talking about the holes you played. I'm like, uh, I don't even remember playing that hole. I don't remember so, that shot. So it's like
0: it affects your short term memory. Like all of that's all there's a whole slew of things that were affected by it.
2: Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm legally blind in my left eye. Um, the whole left side of my body doesn't work properly. So, you know, you've got a non- a dominant hand and a right dominant hand, dominant leg, non-dominant leg. My left hand was supposed to be my dominant hand. Left-handedness runs in my family. Yeah. My right hand performs at a non-dominant hand level. So wow. So writing is you know, horrific for me. Um, I could be a doctor
0: just on my handwriting alone. Yeah, I could too, Fred, just so you know. Um, Let me ask you, did your parents, like, know that they're, like, wonder if there was some issues when you were a kid or? Uh, No, they just thought it was
2: behavioral. I mean, my parents mm -hmm. had their own health issues that sort of overwhelmed them. So when we finally found this out, Of course, they were mortified that, you know, this had slipped through the cracks, Mm -hmm. but I in in no way blame them for, you know, I'm not going to say they weren't good parents or anything like that. They were amazing parents. Um, It's just, those were the limitations of the system at that point. And, you know, I'm, I'm lucky I was able to find out these
0: things at all. A hundred percent. Do you, so let's move on to like where, like you, so you, it sounds to me like you had a pretty happy childhood and upbringing in Canada. And what, when, like, how did you start having issues after the stroke in adulthood? What, what started happening?
2: I don't think anything different happened. There was just mm-hmm. things that I started noticing that everybody else seemed to be able to do that I wasn't able to do. So, um, for example, in in hockey, because I'm a good Canadian boy, I had to play hockey, you do crossovers. And that's, you know, your right foot over left foot to help you turn. I would literally have to drag my left foot over my right foot to be able to turn the opposite way. Like, it's just not normal, but you don't know how to explain that to anybody. Now I know how to explain it. Yeah. Um, And I just had... uh, There's things that that run in the background of your brain, in your subconscious, that allow you to do things. And mine didn't for a lot of things, especially nonverbal skills. And... uh, Or, for example, driving. Okay. When you're driving, people have situational awareness and they know where the other cars are, who's coming, what's coming up that runs in the background of your brain. It doesn't do that for me. I have to consciously be thinking every moment while I'm trying to drive about what's going on, what could go on. And it's just exhausting. It's just exhausting. The same for social situations.
0: Your brain is like, constantly do like going overdrive for you to feel like you're making up for all kinds of like physical movements like you're saying hockey but also just like what other people take for granted like driving that's like something you really have to focus and think about obviously yes and thinking about things
2: consciously uses a lot more energy than things running subconsciously I mean, that's why it's mm-hmm. your subconscious. So it's, you know, mm-hmm. um, so you're, you're naturally always tired and you don't know why. Yeah. It's the same for socializing, things like that. So I, I call myself an intro extrovert. And um, in that. What does that mean? I have, Explain what that means. Well, I can appear to be very social. I used to be a professor. I used to do some improv. I, I can give speeches. So I can appear very extroverted, but it just drains my tank so quickly that I will revert into an introvert mode and have to go off by myself and recharge.
0: Because it's so exhausting. Yes. What do you do? What do you do to recharge? Or do you just meditate? Are there things that you do like secrets? I know that. I mean, I'm not even going to compare myself to you, but um, like with what I deal with, but just being somebody that grew up with a learning disability, you learn tricks of how to, mm-hmm. you know, how to like talk to somebody. I have to consciously a lot of times, but just having ADD, like really remind myself like lock eyes, like look at somebody in the eye. Um mm-hmm. You know, I tend to get very distracted by things. And and so I have little tricks that I've taught myself over life, but not to the point where I'm exhausted, but just that my brain works differently than other people. In some ways, mm-hmm. I think that makes me stronger in other ways that other people are, don't have strength. I'm wondering if you feel that way too. Uh,
2: I'm sure it makes you more of a divergent thinker because you have mm-hmm. to look for alternative ways and i'm a very divergent thinker um i don't know that i have so many tricks uh, okay. but i constantly have to remind myself to to slow down because i'll come up with these far ideas um for example when i was in marketing i would come up with these ideas and the rest of my team would just be like what the fuck is he talking about <laughs> you know so i'd have to go back like yeah. 13 steps and and explain it to them um, just so they would understand then like, Oh, okay. That makes a lot of sense. But my brain goes here to there and other people have to go very sequentially like
0: steps. Yeah. I love, I love though that, I mean, you're, I can already tell like not even knowing the whole story. I'm so impressed by the fact that a lot of times in life and a, many of my guests, I'm always like, I love doing what I do, but I found I found so many extraordinary people that just take no for an answer. Like they will not take no for an answer. So it's like Mm -hmm. some people could have had what happened to you as a young child and just kind of like given up and not work so hard to get to where they you are in your life. And I always find that Mm -hmm. extraordinary, like it's some kind of drive. I don't know if you're spiritual. I'm very spiritual. And Mm -hmm. I kind of think that God gives us things not fun things to go through in life or like tests to kind of get to the other side, right? Like we're all in this big giant maze. Um so I find it amazing and fascinating and just I'm I'm inspired so inspired by you that you were able to do the things that you've been able to do in your life. Well thank you.
2: I I am uh I'm on the Orthodox Judaism side. So I have a pretty good rooting in, in God. Um, and I'm the firm believer that God doesn't make mistakes. Mm -hmm. So you were made exactly how you were supposed to be made to achieve whatever purpose in life you're supposed to purposeize, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and, um, I also believe you can learn things like overcoming adversity and resilience and I learned a lot of that by osmosis, just watching my parents go through their struggles. I mean, you know, they never sat us down and said, you know, this is how you overcome adversity. This is how you be resilient. This is how you fight your way through things. But you just see them and, and you know, you, you acquire that don't quit gene.
0: Which is really special, a, a very special gift that a parent can give a child, you know, Mm -hmm. um, to, to not, to not give up. Let's talk about, um, you know, you, you told me that you were, um, have been clinically dead and suffered, suffered with type two diabetes. I want to, I want to get into that because I know that I've never had somebody on my podcast that has talked about that and kind of coming back. And I'm fascinated like beyond fascinated i read books on this kind of thing and i think everybody does because we're all like what happens when we go and where like tell me about that tell me about how you how like your first time dealing with being clinically dead
2: so i didn't know i was dead till this had happened to me about 17 or 18 times uh we initially thought i was just passing out randomly for some reason and then i it was about four or five months of being misdiagnosed and, you know, ignored by by doctors uh, in the hospital. They, they had their, you know, medicinal cognitive bias. So, you know, here's a fat, middle-aged white guy uh, who doesn't exercise enough. Uh, he must be having a heart attack. And that's what they kept treating me for. And, you know, they just wouldn't budge off their spot. So the coming back to life part was much worse than the dying part.
0: Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples this time of year is the worst. I feel like I can't do anything and I can't enjoy my dinner because I can't taste my food and I can't work out because I feel tired and distracted. I can't even feel like I can host this show because my voice sounds like a duck. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. I feel like I've been using Claritin D for probably a few months now, and I have really noticed a difference. I can work out. I'm not feeling like my eyes are watering and my nose is all stuffed up. I can speak without feeling like a frog has jumped into my throat. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin The dying okay, part, you just kind of... Let's go backwards a little bit. Why, <laughs> when was the first time? Because now I'm like, oh my gosh, when is the first time this happened to you? And like, what happened? Was this connected to diabetes? Was this connected to your stroke? What What was the cause and what exactly happened?
2: To this day, they don't know the cause. Okay. And they also
0: don't know why it came back to life. Okay. So, so this- what exactly happened that you were clinically dead? In uh, started in
2: May 2009, and what was eventually diagnosed is I have something called a a full heart block, and that means the electrical system in your heart that sends the signals for your atria and your ventricle to pump okay, um, it fries so it doesn't send any signals, so your heart stops pumping, your blood pressure goes to zero, and there's no blood or oxygen in your brain. So you go, you just collapse wherever you are.
0: So you just fell to the ground.
2: Yeah. And that's how I got all these concussions. Cause I happened to hit my head on whatever was the hardest object in the universe in yeah. the immediate vicinity. And, uh, and then, you know, certain times it took my heart quite a while to, to start up again. So there's also oxygen deprivation. So mm-hmm. layering these, concussions and a little bit of oxygen deprivation on top of the damage that was already there from the stroke, it was a pretty potent cocktail.
0: Okay, let's talk about when you like who found you when that happened? Did somebody take you to the hospital? Like how like what exactly happened? And then I want to know, I want to know what happens when you die, if you can tell me that. And did you see like did you see Elvis? Like, what did you see? <laughs> oh,
2: Elvis said, "I'm not allowed to talk about him."
0: <laughs> so,
2: um, the majority of the times uh, when I was out of the hospital, I just revived myself. My heart just started beating again on its own, and and they have no idea why. So, um, you know. When I realized after the fourth or fifth time how bad this was and how horrible I felt, uh, that's when I started calling the ambulances and uh, ended up in the hospital. And That's when I learned I was type 2 diabetic. So if you know any type 2 diabetes numbers, uh, in Canada, I was a 23. In the U.S., that's about a 420.
0: What does that mean? Can you explain that? That's your blood that sugar levels. Okay, but is that so? That's like the worst it can be. I would assume it's it's pretty close to maple syrup. Okay, that's how thick your blood is. So it makes
2: it harder for your your heart to push everything through and get blood to where it's supposed to get. Okay. So um, this is going to be a little disappointing, but okay. I didn't see any lights. Okay, and. I feel kind of ripped off. Yeah. You you hear all these great stories of people, you know, seeing long lost relatives and Elvis and John Lennon and <laughs> all these things. And yeah. Okay. Once I miss out twice, I miss out, but like, I'm getting into the thirties here. There's nothing. It's just not right.
0: I I should have had a better death experience. <laughs> so how many times has this happened to you? In total, do you even know? We think roughly 40 to 50. Oh my gosh. And, and like you, so out of all those times, you never saw any light, you never saw like a deceased relative, like nothing. It's just no, just gone. Okay. Although, that's not the answer um, I wanted, Fred. I did have some, some (laughs) out of body experiences. Okay, tell me those cuz there's got to be something. I need to know. Yeah. Um it's
2: in Judaism we believe when you die your mm-hmm. soul detaches from your body and you know, goes up 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 and it fights to stay attached cuz it's very comfortable in your physical realm. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's what the out of body experiences are probably like. So you know, you're looking down on yourself. I remember once I was out in the middle of a field, I was riding my bike and this happened to me and there's nobody around. It's pitch black. And I just remember looking at myself, there's my bike, there's me just sprawled out and saying, I don't think I'm supposed to be doing this right now. So, Mm -hmm. um, it's pretty hard to remember all the things that you think are going on. Um, when you have these out-of-body experiences, are you being photobombed?
0: No, I'm sorry. Like my dog is sneezing. I have a I have oh. two Labradors. I would cut this out, but I don't want to miss any of your story. But she just started sneezing. <laughs> um. So. so so you kind of was it like you were uh, above your body and like seeing yourself like in the I don't know yeah. if you've ever seen the movie um, Ghost with Patrick Swayze, but kind of reminds me of that scene where he dies and he's like looking at from looking from above and seeing his body. Is it kind of like that?
2: That's pretty much exactly what it is. And, uh, I I can't really go more into depth about that because I just don't remember anything more than the event. I know that this happened to me a number of times and, do, you, uh, do you
0: think also like it was like your bo- your physical body and brain saying, I'm not ready, it's not my time, that kind of like pulls you back in?
2: It could be that. But I think, you know, when God decides you're going to go, that's mm-hmm. sort of, you know, <laughs> the final arbiter. So uh, I don't know if it's your body saying you can't go yet. I don't know if it has that decision making power, but it's quite possible. Um,
0: I had a really like on a side note. I had a an, an really interesting conversation with a friend of ours over the weekend. We went to dinner, and he's a firefighter, and he got caught in a in a fire. Like everything was black, and he couldn't find his way out. Like he was that's terrifying. There. Yeah, they have they wear like these oxygen masks, and I think they only have like a limited amount of time, and they were in a fire and they had like the like a line like where they were following each other into the fire but it was just pitch black and he said i'm always by the way blown away by people that serve like the, that's their calling in life to do something like that right and he's a great guy great great human being and um and he was saying like in his head it's such a scary feeling because you're, you kind of know what's happening, right? But in your situation, mm-hmm. it's like you don't know what's happening because it happens that quick. So mm-hmm. it's something like, as human beings, I'm always fascinated by like we're all here for a limited period of time. And no matter what your religion is, whether it's Judaism or it's Christianity or, you know i believe it's about like being here and doing the best you can as a human being and and that's what my god that's what i believe i'm supposed to be doing in my own life and i think many people believe that and learn from things like have ha- that have happened to you but i just i th- i'm i'm just so fascinated by the, the the thing the things like not knowing and just it's being over so quick like that in a snap And not knowing if that day is your day, because you never know. And we were kind of having this conversation, like, your life, he's like, your life kind of flashes in front of you. And you think of like your last conversation with like your family or whatever it is. And you're like, this can't be the end. So to have something like your experience where it's just so quick. Mm -hmm. It's, it's just, it's, it's so fascinating to me that this has happened to you so many times. And like, yeah, you're still here. And there's a reason for it, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just figuring out what that reason is.
2: Mm -hmm. And
0: if, if that reason is
2: for me to write the book that I'm working on, or to get on podcasts and tell my story and help other people know they're not alone in their struggles, or, you know, whatever benefit they get from, from listening to us.
0: Um, maybe that's just my singular purpose, but. And that's an amazing purpose. And in, and it's a blessing that you're still here and that you have this ability to be able to tell people your story. Let's talk about, let's kind of shift a little bit and talk about like your health and kind of how you, like, what do you do to control this, not happening anymore? And, and I'm, fascinated by the other topic that we're going to talk about, which is intermittent fasting, which I've done myself. Is that something that you do now? Like, tell me why you're, you're an expert on intermittent fasting. And is this to kind of control your health and your episodes so they don't happen again? Like, tell me about that.
2: Well, it was initially supposed to be for weight loss. So I went to see my cardiologist for a regular checkup and I'm sitting in the exam room. And he opens the door and he literally throws a book at me. And he says, buy this, read this, do this. And the book was The Obesity Code by Dr. Jason Fung. So I said, okay. And uh, he says, but, you know, we have to get buy-in from all your other doctors. I I think I've got like six other primary care doctors. (laughs) And (laughs) uh, that conversation (laughs) took a while. And uh, I eventually got permission to, uh, to start fasting. Uh, so I started fasting. And I, I'm guessing some of your listeners, viewers, have a little bit of idea about intermittent fasting. And they hear things like 16-8 or 19-5 or mm-hmm. alternate day fasting and stuff like that. I started 12-12. I, I was so beat up from this. And about three weeks into it, um, I'm kept alive by pacemaker, so that's how they eventually cured or tried to cure my not dying all the time.
0: How how long ago did you get that? How because I kind of skipped ahead. When did you get the pacemaker? How long ago? August of two thousand nine. Okay, so and have then, you not had the episode since having the pacemaker?
2: Oh, sweetie, if only that were true.
0: <laughs> oh, okay.
2: <laughs> so. Um, I was just about at a stage in 2013 where I felt ready to go back to work. Um, I was a college professor and the pacemaker failed pacemakers. I'm a hundred percent dependent on the face pacemaker. If it fails, I fail. And, uh, so I had to have a couple of emergency surgeries, uh, for them to try and replace the pacemaker and, um, but between the time they did the surgeries or before they did the surgeries, I had a whole bunch of other episodes where I was clinically dead again. Uh, I, would, I, cl- I was clinically dead on the operating table. Um, and, you know, I hit my head again. So I went back to square one with having to do all this recovery. And there's no blueprint for this. Like there, there's no playbook. You just have to try and figure things out. And, um, so I was getting better, getting better. And in 2018, the pacemaker failed again. So this is like, uh, you know, a one in a billion event, uh, that happened to me a few times and, um, they couldn't properly replace the pacemaker. So they had to put in a second pacemaker as a backup. So I'm concurrently running Two functional pacemakers. Wow. So I don't know. Yeah, I have a genius of a surgeon. Um I don't know if this is true or not, or this is just, you know, hospital talk, but I was told I'm one of like eight people who have simultaneously functioning pacemakers. Oh my world.
0: gosh, I need to put you into my husband's best friend is a cardiologist, and I'm fascinated to have him listen to this and hear about you. Well, when I go to the hospital for whatever event, like doctors don't believe me. Yeah. Like,
2: you've got my file in front of you. Read the file. Still don't believe you. It's
0: That must be. Okay. And, and the other thing, like just to backpedal a little bit, the anxiety that mu- you must, which is also not good for your body and your heart, just the anxiety of being like, am I going to fall today and die like all you must have constantly felt that way and living in fear that's so scary
2: still do it's still running in the background all the time yeah because um i i know that the malfunctioning pacemaker has to be replaced in a year and i'm going to okay. have to have i don't know my 12th or 13th heart procedure in the last 12 years wow so um But on to intermittent fasting.
0: Yes. I'm I'm just I'm sorry that I keep sidetracking, but I'm just I'm (laughs) so fascinated. And people must talk to you and be like, there's no way this it's just fascinating. I've never heard of something like this before. It's very scary. Mm -hmm. I I can't imagine what it must be like. And like just you must have tricks. Do you have things that you do to like you know, relax and help your, the health of your mind and your body, because all of that stress on your, it's just too much. What, what are some things you do before we well, go back into intermittent fasting? Exercise for sure.
2: Should, okay. You know, have to get do my exercise in. What are I walk things? and I ride my bike. That's okay. primarily what I do now. Okay. Um I, um, I, you know, put on my COVID mask, take off my COVID mask. It's sort of like, you know, Doing bicep, yeah, high, or something. you have to be
0: very careful. I'm assuming with COVID, you're high risk, yeah, right? Um, yeah, I eh,
2: probably not. I, I mean, I've had COVID, I've had the original COVID, and I've had the Omicron. I just got my okay. booster yesterday, so um, okay, I had I'm now protected.
0: Too. I'm protected yeah, against not, was, what I already
2: had. It
0: was not fun. Well, let's talk about, but let okay, so. So you exercise. So that's the kind of thing, which by the way, is so good for your brain. If I I work out almost every day, and if I didn't walk and do the thing, and you'll see my Peloton right behind me. Uh, if mm-hmm. I didn't do those things, like my, it would not be good. It would not be good. I think it's so important. I can't reiterate enough to people that get out and work out, uh, do whatever you can to move. So when you say you do the intermittent fasting and you do the 12-12 cycle, I've done intermittent fasting. I've done pretty much, and I hate to say it's a diet because I think intermittent fasting goes m- more along with a lifestyle. Um, mm-hmm. what, what is the 12-12? I, I try to do, and I do, I'm not always successful with it, but I do try to do intermittent fasting, and I usually do the 12-8. to 8. That's my window. But some days I'm starving. I definitely do my coffee, but you want to make sure you have less than 40 calories. So you can tell me all about that, your tricks with that kind of stuff and how you last. But what? It, okay. what's the 12-12? So what What window do you eat? Just for my listeners that might not be know what intermittent well, fasting is. That was my baby
2: steps when I was just starting because okay. I had you know, to measure my insulin and my other medications and uh, doctors didn't really know how my body was going to react to this and what effect it would have on my medication doses. So we started off pretty minimal. So I'd fast 12 hours and have a 12 hour eating window, which, you know, very quickly disappeared. Once I got into a rhythm and my body started to heal from the, the pacemaker surgery, um, I ended up probably by September. So this is starting in May by September. I was doing 23 one. Wait a second. One
0: meal. What does that mean? 23. I was fasting. So you for eat one hours. hour a day. Yeah. Wow. Oh, it gets better. It gets better. Oh my God. How do you even do that? Well, it's, it's
2: training your body because um, firstly, it,
0: this is, uh, if I can show you a book, I don't know if how well you can yeah. see this. Okay. It says Fast, Feast, Repeat by Jen Stevens. Okay. Okay. So, so tell me about it. This is my
2: fasting mentor. Okay. And, and she's got a Facebook group of like 335,000 followers that I'm a moderator in.
0: Okay. Um, what is the Facebook group? Because I think intermittent fasting is becoming bigger and bigger and and i know just myself so um in my family we it's cholesterol is an issue so we everybody mm-hmm. genetically inherits fun things right <laughs> mm-hmm. and my fun thing is i inherited high cholesterol my grandfather had it like my mom has it i have it and so i really i don't take meds but i try I try to control it with my eating. So right now I'm a vegan. Um, I've, I've always, I've been a pescatarian and I really just started going vegan recently. Um, but I also know how important intermittent fasting can be for controlling your cholesterol. So tell me about the book and like kind of how, like how you do it. Cause I know people want to know what okay, to do. Well, firstly, everybody's
2: going to do it differently. Because okay. all our bodies are different. We all have bio-individualities. Some people work mm-hmm. better on carbs. Some work better on fat. Some work better on proteins and in different combinations.
0: True. So
2: Jen has a little twist on what most of the other intermittent faster icons, I guess we'll call them, uh, suggest. She does the clean fast. So other people say you can do your coffee with the 40 calories. Okay. Okay. Uh, or bulletproof coffee or uh, diet drinks and stuff like that. We don't do any of that. Okay.
0: By the way, the bulletproof, this is just me. And like you just said, our bodies are all different. So I'm not saying it's wrong or right. For me, I was doing the bulletproof and guess what? (laughs) It made my cholesterol go up. So I had to completely cut it out. So it just depends on the person, right?
2: Yeah. I guess we should probably do a medical disclaimer. Anybody looking into doing intermittent fasting, check with your appropriate
0: medical practitioners. Thank you, Thank you, Fred. Yes, please. That's so important because I went into it not knowing and I just did it like a friend of mine and she could do it that way, but I couldn't. It completely messed Mm -hmm. up. I had brought it way down and then it's went back up because of that. But go on, I'm sorry to interrupt you.
2: So Jen does the clean fast. So it's water Mm -hmm. or sparkling water no flavors, black coffee, black tea, no flavors, no artificial sweeteners, no diet drinks, nothing. It is as clean as possible. Teas that have a bitter profile don't Mm -hmm. elicit an insulin response. Mm -hmm. Uh, Same with um, coffee. And what happens if you fast past a certain time period with intermittent fasting, you'll start to lower your your basal insulin rates. So people who have metabolic syndrome or whatever you want to call it, uh, insulin resistance, um, they have too much insulin floating in your system. And once that gets out of whack, so many of your other hormones get out of whack. Mm-hmm. And your leptin and your ghrelin, which is your satiety and hunger single signals, your... Um, Estrogens, your testosterones, your adrenaline, uh, growth hormone, etc., etc., etc. It's a domino effect. So once you've fasted and you've given your digestive system a chance to calm down and get rid of some inflammation, it seems that a lot of your other hormones fall into place. And I can't tell you how many people we've seen. Um, You know, get rid of their thyroid problems, reverse PCOS, uh, get rid of their type 2 diabetes, get rid of sleep apnea, get rid of asthma. And the list goes on and on and on. So I am no longer type 2 diabetic. Wow. Type 2. And they tell you, you have a chronic disease. You're never going to get rid of this. And it's total bull.
0: It's total So let me ask you a question. Did you, so did you originally do this at, for weight loss purposes? Like what, like, was that the main thing behind it when your doctor gave you the, the original book, the obesity code?
2: Yes. Cause it okay. was more f- focused on weight loss. Okay. Um, so Dr. Fung is a nephrologist and kidney specialist. And he was sick and tired of seeing so many people come into his clinic with kidney issues because they were type 2 diabetic. Mm-hmm. And he knew there there was a way, and that's how he got a substantial number of his patients intermittent fasting, mm-hmm. and he reversed their type 2 diabetes, and he saved their kidneys. Wow. And so- other amputations.
0: So now like you're, you're doing, you're um, a moderator on this Facebook. Group. What is the Facebook group in case any of my listeners, can they join? Is it open for people to join? Sure. Okay. Uh, it's called the delay. Don't deny book
2: support group. So that was delay. Don't deny is Jin's previous uh, book before fast feast repeat. Okay. She also so has t- a go ahead. She also has a a newer site, um, which is um, a fee based site, which you can reach at ginstevens.com forward slash community.
0: Okay, perfect. And and so this is like, it sounds to me like this intermittent fasting has like been a life changer for you, just to completely change your life and, you know, beat being type two diabetic, which I didn't know that you could do either. Um, so now are you like, you must've lost a lot of weight doing this. How do you like every day you just eat for the one hour a day?
2: Uh, it, it varies. I do a couple of different, uh, protocols. So, um, there's alternate day fasting and i do a, i guess a modified alternate day fasting so on we have mealless monday so you start your fast some point sunday evening and you'll fast until some point tuesday morning or t- tuesday afternoon <clears throat> excuse me so you know depending on when you start and stop 36 42 hours whatever um and then we do a meal this Thursday. So same thing. Um, and does the fast always go as planned. No, sometimes you, you know, have to cut it short at, you know, 33 hours or something. And sometimes it's a smooth sail, but that's because life isn't life happens. Yeah. So yeah. you don't beat yourself up because you didn't make your, you know, your goal of 40 hours or whatever. Because you had a great thirty-three hours that did a lot of healing,
0: yeah. And does, this, does of, this also has this also like help? So I'm assuming it has helped you with weight loss. It's helped you beat type two diabetes. Has this helped with your heart? Has this helped with other things?
2: Uh, it it helps with a lot of things. It's uh, I got rid of my sleep apnea. I got okay. rid of asthma. My brain fog has disappeared um my energy levels are off the charts uh because you're running on ketones which your brain seems to like more than uh running on on carbs um all my medical numbers are fantastic my heart we don't know what's going to happen i've had a couple of checkups Mm -hmm. where they were looking at the pacemaker and they're like wait a sec your heart is actually beating Oh, wow. Yeah. So whether those are software glitches or that's actually something that's repairing itself, um, we're not sure yet. The Oh, my gosh. Um, that's amazing. One of the, the really impressive things about fasting is it triggers an enhanced um, process called autophagy. Okay. So autophagy is a healing system that our body has running 24 7 but the way we're eating with the standard north american diet Mm -hmm. um it doesn't have a chance to to wind itself up and basically it works at the cellular level you have tons of proteins that get discombobulated in your body don't you know they're supposed to get Enveloped into another protein and create something else. But they don't. And they end up sitting in cells in these little pieces. It's basically like having your pipes blocked. So autophagy starts the process of unblocking all these cells. And healing all sorts of things. So we have stories um, of women telling us their cesarean scars have gone away.
0: Oh my God, scars. I need to sign up for this. <laughs> I, I know all, I have all the, the scars. scars. That's amazing. That's crazy. Yeah,
2: your um, skin tags disappear because skin tags are related to high insulin levels. I know the okay. scars from all my chest surgeries and from my legs where they took out the veins and arteries and things like that, they're starting to disappear. I mean, I don't know that they'll ever completely disappear. But they're they're certainly way ahead of other people, I know, that have had the similar surgeries. Um, For women in particular, um, it causes your growth hormone to start producing at higher levels closer to when you were a teenager and going through growth spurts. Mm -hmm. And the reason that's so important for women is that's what governs your bone density. Mm -hmm. And women have such a problem with bone density um, I know I've fallen off my bike or been hit by a car so many times on my bike in the last four years. It's amazing. Nothing is broken. Uh, I mean, somebody is seriously trying to kill me, but, um, <laughs> it's,
0: is that, uh, is that podcast part two Because I, like your story is so fascinating to me. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, go on.
2: No, I, I should have broken hips galore. I mean, I'm at yeah. that age where you fall, you should have a broken hip, but I had a DEXA scan and they did my bone density and it was just off the charts. The doctor couldn't believe how high my bone density was, but it also explains why I can barely swim. And I sink like a rock, I have uh, reverse buoyancy, I guess.
0: <laughs> Let me, so I'm fascinated by your entire story, but if somebody wants to reach out to you and find, fu- and, uh, are you on Instagram? What's the best way to get in touch with you?
2: Um, my Instagram is repeatedly dead Fred.
0: Uh-huh. It's
2: just the easiest thing to remember.
0: Uh-huh. So I love that. you. I, I also wanted to like, before we close, um, I wanted to say, I love your attitude about this. I think it's amazing that you're like, I'm going to find ways to like beat this and keep going. And I mean, intermittent fasting, I I now need to read that book. That's terrifying to me, to be honest with you, to like, but obviously if you train your body to get to that point, but Mm -hmm. it's fascinating because this isn't the first time I've heard people overcoming so many health issues, like joint related, whatever it is, I never have heard. For sure. What you told me today, um but I, I I just find I just think it's the human body is is so amazing that it can overcome so much and come back and especially related to like what we're putting into our bodies, right?
2: Mm-hmm. yeah, one of the biggest things I've learned about processed foods uh, in that yeah, the ultra processed foods and the sugars are you know obviously not good for you Mm -hmm. but the ultra processed oils the the vegetable oils are you know the corn oils the cottonseed oils the sunflower they're even worse for you they're just toxic yeah and if you can get rid of those that's a huge first step in in getting rid of all the inflammation in your body you know for everything i've been through and i played hockey and I played football and I played college rugby. I used to get out of bed with my body just aching. Like it was just unbelievable. Yeah. Now, after all these surgeries, I don't have an acre pain in my body. I don't have migraines. I rarely get a headache. Uh, I almost never get anything beyond a sniffle except for COVID. But, yeah, uh, that wasn't
0: your fault. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, let me ask you, though, b- before we close really quick, do you get hungry? Like, how do you do it? So you just drink tons of water. I see you drinking water right now. It's like you said, mm-hmm. it's like a training yourself.
2: Yeah. So once your hormones get uh, some level of rebalancing, and it, it's uh-huh. different for each person as they go along their journey, um, your body gets more in touch with its natural hunger and satiety signals. So, a lot of times what we think is hunger is really boredom. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, the uh, I will get hungry occasionally, but I also know if I eat this much, I'll get a good strong satiety signal that says you don't need to eat anymore. And mm-hmm. for me, that's a little cough. Everybody has a different little sign that I go, <coughs> that's it. I know I stopped eating at that point. It's really freaky. It's
0: called appetite correction. Wow. Okay. This is amazing. Well, I I could talk to you and do a whole and maybe we will to talk about more of what you've gone through because it sounds like I'm gonna read your book when you're done with it and it comes out. But I just love you. I love your attitude. I think that you're amazing. And I think that um this is a whole new thing that I'm gonna have to read up on because uh I believe everything is connected. Our mental health is obviously connected to our bodies and what we're putting into our bodies. And if you're eating the wrong things and not doing the right things, you're going to have an even harder time with your, not only physical health, but your mental health. And um, I believe a hundred percent that you can do these things. And now I'm going to have to go look more into this after talking to you, but thank you so much for coming on. You're There's a reason you're a little miracle. You're a miracle. You're supposed to be here, Fred. I guess so. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, I love talking to you today. In closing, uh, I like to say this now every episode, um, live your life trying to be kind, trying to be good. I'm doing the best I can. Am I always kind? No. Um, I did I maybe like honk at somebody and give them the middle finger today when I was driving? Yes, I did. Um, we're all human beings. We're all works in progress. But the best thing I can tell you that I learned from my dad that I now close every episode with is be happy by making others happy. And try to live your life doing that. I know my dad did, and he was successful at it. And I'm going to try my darndest, damnedest for the rest of my life to do that. So be happy by making others happy. Thank you all for listening to my podcasts every week. They come out every Tuesday. Share with your friends. Um, You know, I'm doing something with my life that I'm so happy to be doing. And I'm so happy to meet people like Fred. And thank you for listening. Thank you, Fred. You're welcome. Have a great day.
1: You too.